Welcome to the See the Upside podcast. I'm Nina, your podcast host. On the show, we dive deep into all the ways to uplevel your life with a focus on positivity and growth. Interviews with industry experts and innovators in the areas of wellness, spirituality, relationships, personal growth, and more shed light on all of the best practices. We talk about how to overcome obstacles, find positivity, and create and live an authentic life you love. Every challenge is an opportunity for expansion. That's what I like to call seeing the upside. Whatever challenges you've been through, be it divorce or otherwise, you deserve to discover and live your very best life. We're here to help you find it. Thanks so much for joining the conversation, and I really hope you enjoy the show. You can follow us on Instagram at c.theupside, on Facebook at c.theupside, and visit our website at c.theupside.com. Hi, everyone. Our guests today are Denise McGuire and Ali Stea, registered representatives of Raymond James based in Chandler, Arizona. Denise is a certified financial planner, and Allie is an accredited asset management specialist. This dynamic duo works together to support single women of all kinds, divorced, widowed, beginning your independent life, whatever the situation, they're an all-female powerhouse, helping women achieve financial freedom through goal-based financial planning and education. They actually function like a personal CFO. So basically can help with anything financially related. Their program is called Well on Your Way, which is so very fitting. They truly help women find their way financially, which I love. Today, we're going to talk about why women make good investors. Whether you invest or not yourself, this is super interesting information to know. And I can't wait to hear some of the details surrounding the whys. Welcome to the show, Denise and Allie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Let's start by talking a little bit about your backgrounds and your practice. Well, uh, I'll start. About a year after having my second son, I opted to quit working and stay home. And while I love being at home with them, I always felt a little vulnerable financially. I wondered what would happen if something happened to my husband or if our marriage were to end. I paid the day-to-day bills, but I let my husband handle all the long-term saving matters, saving for our son's college, saving for retirement. I just, I don't know, I didn't have the time or the interest or the experience with investing. So once our boys were grown, I kind of stumbled into a job with a small financial management firm. I was just looking for any job and that's where I found one. But I surprised myself by not only being able to understand the world of financial planning and investing, I really loved it. Um, I saw the difference that we made in people's lives by helping them create a financial plan so that they could see if they could have the retirement that they had planned for and hoped for if it was going to become a reality. So I started working to become a CFP and finally achieved that last year. So now I can share this passion and especially with women who maybe have no one else in their life to help them make financial decisions. It's just really rewarding to be able to do that. Oh my gosh. I love that, Denise. And I think so many women probably are in the same boat where they're in marriages and they just don't know what they don't know. They're so busy. They don't have time. 
maybe there's not even interest there. And I think part of that is a lot of fear too. But I also think that was no accident that you stumbled into this. I think that was definitely a calling. I love it. (laughs) So Allie, tell us about you. Tell us about your background. Sure. For me personally, I have been just really passionate about the idea of wellness for most of my life. But that really ramped up when I was in college. I dedicated my college studies to both finance and also health and fitness. So as I was going down both of those avenues separately, you know, wondering which one I was going to ultimately choose to pursue for my career, I realized that genuine and true wellness combines not only physical health, but also mental wellness. And then the often overlooked one was financial wellness. I noticed there was already so much on the physical health side. It seemed super saturated to me. And as a result, I just became really passionate about making sure that financial wellness was not just a part, but a big part of people's health. And that led me to what Denise and I do now, which is empowering single women with financial wellness. I love that. And I agree. You don't have to choose between wellness for your body, mind, and spirit, and for your financial life too. I think it's all intertwined and is really kind of breaking through a lot of myths about money and empowerment and what you want for yourself and, you know, redefining all of that. So Mm -hmm. I love that. So now why women, you guys, what was the, the reason behind focusing specifically on women? I mean, some of the things we talked about a little bit was, but was there anything specific that was driving you in that direction? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, I think it's so important for women to have other strong and knowledgeable women supporting them and just having those types of females in their corner. I think as a society, we've been empowering women for a long time now, which is great, but there's still so much work to be done with creating a community of women who know about finance specifically. So that's exactly what Denise and I want to work on building with our practice. Well, it's a constant journey, right? We're constantly building and growing and creating examples for our children, for ourselves, for people around us. I have a pretty diverse group of clients right now. I have single men, single women, married couples. I have a couple really young people, but I find that when I work with the women, retired women, I have a couple widows, single women, I just enjoy it more. I think part of it is because they are, you know, so willing to learn. And then I also find with those clients in particular, I get a lot of I know this is a stupid question, but, and it's just not a stupid question. So I really enjoy being able to really educate them and make them feel confident that, you know, you can do this. It's nothing stupid. So. Yeah. It's like a beautiful opportunity for an awakening on the female side. I think that it's really, it's not that we're not capable. It's just, we don't, we're afraid and we don't know. So once you kind of open that door It just blasts open the possibility of empowerment on the financial side. I mean, money's not as scary as we think. We're so much more capable than we think, too. I just think we need a little bit of guidance and someone that can empower us and believe in us and show us the way, which is what you guys are doing. I love that. 
So what exactly makes women good investors? I mean, we I love that we chose this topic because it's so interesting. I mean, it's something that I wouldn't have, have thought was actually true, but women are really good investors for specific reasons. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, just first to set the stage that um, we've noticed that women, you, they already possess a lot of the characteristics that make a good investor. And it's borne out in the studies. There's been a lot of different studies and they show that women outperform men up to 1%, which over time, I mean, that really can add up. Yeah. There was another study too, that showed that during down markets, women's portfolios lost less and really like for your long-term success, that can be even more important. So why, why is that? Well, we think there's several things that are common to women, or at least more common that women would have them that make them successful. So first one maybe is that women tend to have more self-control. If we actually make a plan and say, we're going to save this amount every month and that's what our plan is going to be, that we'll actually be more likely to stick to it. We might not get sidetracked. Another really big one is that women are long-term thinkers. We, we think long-term, we plan things out. So we focus on long-term performance. So we're not going to react to everyday fluctuations in the market. We're patient. We let our investments grow. It's kind of like that story you tell your kids of the tortoise and the hare, because slow and steady really does win the race. There's three kind of fundamental keys to investing where you would continue to add money, you properly diversify, but really the key is time, like taking advantage of compounding as early as you can. So women just naturally can do that because we think long-term. Yeah, and to build off a little bit on what Denise is saying, another big thing that we've noticed is that women are more likely to avoid what's called lottery-style speculation. And what that means is choosing random stocks and just betting that they're going to do well. It also has a component called like viral investing, which is choosing to invest in whatever the latest craze is. I'm sure we remember GameStop. That wasn't too long ago. And currently, cryptocurrency seems to be all the rage. Just in my personal life, just to speak to this strength in women a little bit more, I have some male friends of mine. And once they figure out what I do for my job, they immediately ask me, okay, like, what's your, like, what are your thoughts on Bitcoin? Should I invest in cryptocurrency? Like, what should I do? Like, should I, should I hop on that, see what happens? But not a single one of my female friends have asked me anything remotely close to that. Their questions are so much more in the realm of, can you look at my 401k plan and see if it's okay? Am I spending too much money in my in my day-to-day? What do I have to do to be able to save enough money to pay off my student loan debt? Their questions are just so much more planning oriented, which is really, really good to be a strong and sound investor. Also, as a side note, um, as a result of men being more likely to engage in that kind of trading, they trade a lot more frequently, and that can rack up a lot more taxes and fees along the way, which is not so good. Yeah, well, that's so interesting that men tend to chase that shiny object so much more than women, you know, Mm -hmm. that they want that quick fix. And, you know, it's like we all know that the quick fix doesn't exist. Otherwise we'd all be doing it. Like it's not, you know, that's not a thing. So I love that we're 
more thoughtful, more long-term oriented. And the message I'm taking away from this that's pretty cool is, you know, if you're a woman that's in a marriage or a partnership or a relationship, step up and get involved in your finances. Like you're bringing skill sets and value to the table. You know, it's time to, to step into that and know that even if you don't know the technical numbers side of things, all those other things that you're talking about, those skills, that patience, that long-term thinking, that's what you bring to the table. The other skills can be taught by people like you or whoever they're working with, their financial expert. But those other kind of grounding, safety thinking, long-term goals, paying off debt, those are things that we should be bringing into a marriage and valuing and bringing to our financial lives that we have. And on the single side, I think the message is, you guys, we've got this. You can do this. It's not insurmountable. It's not a mystery. Again, all those beautiful skills set you up for success. The yeah. technical stuff can be taught, and but those fundamental characteristics of a person and how they um, work and, and function with money those are a lot harder to teach. So I think that's, that's a really, really good thing. I love it. So what do you think are some of the reasons that women hesitate? Why would someone not want to get involved in family investing? What are you seeing with your clients when you're meeting with them and and you're talking about investing? Well, I think that we tend to divide tasks up historically, culturally, men take the money tasks and women take the soft nurturing tasks like caring for your children. But I like to think about it in that even in my own life, I would be the one that would take the children to the doctor. But whenever there was a serious health issue, I'm not going to decide that on my own. I'm going to involve my husband and we're going to make a plan together. So I think you can equate that to the same with the finances. Even if you let your spouse or take a greater role, the long-term planning and the big decisions, it's just as important for you to be in that. Just like you said, like you have a, women have a different perspective and you need to let that come out there. I know for me, I was just busy you know, dealing with the kids, running the house. And I just left those decisions to my husband. And I think part of that too, was that I wasn't working. So I kind of felt like he was earning the paycheck. So maybe he should have a better voice. We just really weren't seeing our role as equal. And so you didn't feel like you maybe had an equal voice. I think also what what we find is that women think it's intimidating. We just naturally say we're not as good at something and men will just say they are. So we think, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. They seem to know. So we let it go. And I think of myself, like if you would have told me five years ago, I'd be a CFP, I would have told you you were crazy. I mean, I just would never have thought that I could do this, you know, learn and really like this topic, but I love it. So, and then I think too, like my sister, she's divorced And we've been talking a little more lately, you know, since I started this endeavor, asking her about her experience. And she said when she was married, she did the same thing. She left everything up to her husband. She got divorced and she made some horrible money decisions because she just didn't know what she was doing. And she really regretted like now she's teaching herself and she's doing great now. But it was she's like, if I had just, you know, put my two cents in and paid attention, she would have been way better off. 
Yeah. Well, I think that starting early and getting involved early is crucial and having a financial plan early. I mean, just getting in from the ground up. I'd also be curious to know from Allie. I mean, Allie is a little bit younger than Denise and I. And I wonder if, you know, your generation comes into the equation a little bit more balanced, meaning more accountability, responsibility, and empowerment in financial kind of equality in a relationship. Because, you know, I think that shift happened probably a little bit after Denise and I, you know, were in our marriages, that the the younger generation coming in maybe has a slightly different perspective on it. Yeah, I think that you are right that with every generation, you know, we're going to evolve a little bit and we are becoming more empowered. You know, every generation is starting to view these issues that seem to be, you know, gendered one or the other. And that's, you know, that that's starting to change. But we have actually looked at the data on that a little bit. And it might be surprising, even though the, the sentiment among the younger generation is definitely like equality, split the responsibilities, you know. which is amazing. There was actually a study that Tiro Price did where they surveyed a bunch of millennials. So a bunch of people in my generation, they surveyed all of them or all of them that had access to like different plans, like a 401k plan through their work. And they actually found that women in particular were better educated about their investments and their plan than their male counterparts. But they also found that women still have lower personal income They're still contributing to the plan at lower rates. Their overall balance in the plan was a little bit less than their male counterparts. And of all of the millennials who had access to a plan, there were still more women than men that were not choosing to participate in it. So my takeaway from that is that we still have a lot of work to be done. It's nice that the the sentiment is changing. I think we're seeing that sentiment changing in the media and different millennial figures that are starting to influence us. But when it comes down to the numbers, we still need to show our voice a little bit more, I think. Yeah, that's so interesting that the participation in general was lower. Like the the fact that the balance was lower and the percentage was lower could correlate to the overall salary being lower, you know? So yeah. You wonder how those numbers relate, but then you think there there's less participation and that is definitely not a good thing. Well, especially for women, because we're going to need more money in retirement. We live longer. Yeah. And and so we need that money to go further. Also women, I saw a study, this blows my mind that 80% of men die married and 80% of women die alone. So that you have this retirement wow. nest egg, the husband, you know, near the end is ill, you take care of them, they pass away. Now you could live five, 10 years later, you have no one to care for you. So you're going to need the nursing home. And is there enough money? Like it's just women need more money for their, their retirement nest egg needs to be larger. And yet, you know, we're just not doing enough. Yeah. And yeah. to do that, you need a plan. Yeah, because odds are just really high that you're going to be on your own at some point and will be responsible of your for your own finances, whether you like it or not. So the earlier you start and just orient yourself around it, the more peaceful and easy of a transition that will be later in your life. 
Well, and I think it's one of those things where like the initial barrier is really high, but one, you know, just to get in, meaning that for someone to take the step to, to open their eyes is big, but once you do it, it's so much, it's so much easier than you think it is. And it's so empowering and life-changing and positive. It's just getting over that initial threshold step. So what do you think are some of the tools and knowledge that would make this easier for women to invest and and take charge of their own financial lives? Yeah. So not to sound like the classic millennial in the room, but I do think the internet is something that can truly be helpful. YouTube videos are enormously helpful. If you just go to YouTube and Google personal finance 101, the first five or six videos are going to be great. They're short and sweet. They really break it down. Um, In addition to that, there's a lot of books out there. One of my favorite ones is called The Broke Millennial by Aaron Lowry. That book is not just for millennials. It's just a great starter book to establish that foundation of personal finance basics. Of course, there's so many webinars out there now. Banks, like whatever bank you have, they their website has webinars that you can look at. If you have a 401k plan through work, that website also has webinars you can learn a lot from. Denise and I do lots of webinars. We like to do them as well. Uh, the important thing to note, though, is that the basics really are not that hard to learn. Once you start, you might just surprise yourself with how easy you are able to grasp the concepts. But another thing that I want to mention is that Women are so, so good at educating themselves on a variety of topics, right? Like their kids' issues, schools, the food they eat, their diet, skincare, all this stuff that we're so good at educating ourselves on and researching. We can do the same exact thing with money. There really shouldn't be anything holding us back from that. So what I want to work on is to help make talking about finance with each other just less of a taboo topic. Right now, it still seems that money is just a topic that we're not super comfortable talking about with other women. But if we get over that hurdle, it can really open up this powerful female community where we can share knowledge and share resources with each other. Yeah, I think there might be like a lot of anxiety and feelings of lack around money. And I think it's just a matter of making a personal internal shift away from thinking that talking about money means that we're going to be budgeting and cutting things out Mm -hmm. and shifting it into how can you make your life easier and make your money work for you and create more money. So, you know, just it's a, it's a shift in thinking, you know, and it takes a little bit of, I think, practice and intention, but it's actually quite simple. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys specifically empower women to invest within your practice? Well, for us, it starts with spending quality time with them to truly learn their goals and their actual financial situation. Once we have a good grasp on that, then we can work with them to create a comprehensive plan. And it's a plan that can adjust throughout their life. You know, we always think that we can predict all these different life events, even when we set goals, but life happens, things change. So for us, it's about creating a financial plan that's a roadmap for them that can adjust and change and react to different life events that happen in their life. 
But once they have that plan, they can actually see the results of what it would look like if they started working towards their goals today. And actually seeing the results of that plan, I think, is what is is empowering to them. Because everything is going to be so much scarier when you just have no information and you're just completely in the dark, right? And even if you do see your plan and you're like, oof, I have a long way to go. I don't know how I'm even going to get to the goal that I have. Just seeing it and seeing it broken down into more reasonable steps empowers you to take just that first step, just that first action. And once you start taking action, it's a lot easier to keep it up. Yeah, I love that you mentioned getting to know your clients and understanding what's important for them. Mm -hmm. Because I think everybody has things that they that are important in their lives that they want to have money for, whether it's your daily Starbucks coffee, having a nice home or a nice car or being able to travel, whatever the case is, if you're planning for it, you can make that happen no matter what your income is. But if you don't define what that is and financially plan for it, then you end up in this stuck kind of lack place where you can't live the life that you want to live. And you still spend money on Starbucks and silly things that maybe aren't that important when you take the time to sit down and reflect. So I love that you get to know the individual and everybody's got different things going on. Some people might have a parent they're going to have to take care of. And some people might inherit a family home or, you know, whatever the case is, or have a, an ill relative or spouse that they need to consider into the equation. And those are all things that need to be looked at and considered in the, in the whole puzzle of it all in deciding a good plan. Yeah. Just as an example with a client that we've been working with recently, she's divorced and she pretty much was wiped out and had to start over. She has a a good job. She actually has a side business and she's doing really well. But once we met with her and we talked about what does she want her retirement to look like? When does she want it to start? What types of expenses does she think she might have during retirement? We really laid it all out. She saw that it really wasn't realistic, the time frame of where she, you know, when she wanted to retire and the um, lifestyle. So then you kind of start to make a choice, but she then right there, like, okay, I need to do more. So she started saving more every month to kind of, let's see if I can reach that goal. What do I not, but you had to just see it, you know, see what it looked like. Here's the often overlooked solution too. I think people jump to, I need to cut back on this or that. But the other option is go find another revenue stream, you know, get another, use the skill set, start, you know, find another job, start another business. And I say that like it's easy. I understand it's not like an easy thing to do. But if you don't even think of that as a solution to meet your goals, you lose time in creating it. So I think that's a, that's another really good reason to sit down and look at your map and go, okay, where am I going? What's it going to take to get there? And then you can start doing that, start creating those revenue streams and and have a plan. Because if you're just floating along and hoping for the best, you could end up in a really difficult position. Yeah, it's true. This particular woman, she does have a business on the side. And we've spent a lot of time talking about 
how can how can you make that work for you to get you what you want? And maybe yeah. when can you quit your your other job? And this, you know, this can get you maybe you don't fully retire um, when you want it, but you can have this other business getting revenue and um, just change up your life quite a bit. It's great. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you made. Denise and I have seen it all the time when we're building plans for our clients, how just a small change in your income and your revenue stream, if you're able to invest a portion of that, how it can dramatically change and alter the likelihood of being able to reach the goals that you have set for later in your life. It can make a huge difference. So good. I love charts and graphs that show um, you know, where you're going and how it grows and builds and just any visuals that I think are really helpful. So what is something you guys wish women knew about investing that maybe they don't know? Well, mostly that it's not hard to start. Investing can be complicated. You can, there's a lot you can do, but it doesn't have to be that way. And it's not hard to start. I think like Ali said earlier, you can start with your 401k. You can do an IRA. You can set that up at your bank. There's lots of online online sites. Things are just more complicated in our head and you just have to get over the hurdle of an action. And the other thing I think that's important too is understanding that saving and investing are not the same thing. Women are great at saving, but they're not always so great about investing. And if you don't invest, it's just going to be hard to get enough saved. So I just kind of ran a quick example if you saved $200 a month from the time you were 25 to 65 in a savings account that earned 1%, although I, I, I don't know who's getting 1% now, but if you were happy to find that account, you would have about just a little under $120,000 by the time you retired. So over 40 years, you only made $25,000. But if you took that same $200 and you put it in an investment account that earned 5%, which is not that high of an amount to earn, it would have grown to over $300,000. So it's wow. just going to be really hard to save enough for retirement if you don't get some form of return. And then for women, adding on to that, which what women do you know have that full 40 years? Sometimes you leave the workforce to take care of your children. Maybe you don't leave the workforce, but you are not spending as much time there. So you're not going to get the promotions, get, you know, get raises. And then you get past that point. And now maybe you have to stop working to take care of your parents or your spouse's parents. So you may not even get those full 40 years. So it's just critical that you make the most of every dollar that you save. So I would say the biggest obstacle to like the biggest barrier to entry, if you will, into investing is just straight up fear. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say to women to, you know, ease those fears, to put those fears to rest? Yeah, well, first of all, there really is just so much fear. And I think that fear stems from a couple of different places. One, a lot of us haven't had like financial classes in grade school or even in college. So it feels like this foreign thing that we just know nothing about. And they should, by the way, that should be added starting in like third grade or something, you know, they should be doing like a monopoly style investment situation just to Mm -hmm. get, get the flow, the brain cells going in that thought process. Yes, I completely agree. I think another source of the fear is that most people, what they know about investing is that you could lose all your money and just lose everything. 
and that there's no guarantees that you're going to make money with your money, which is, is valid. However, history shows us that with enough time, so a long enough time horizon, investing has almost always paid off. Also, there is such a thing as doing lower risk investing. Not every investment that you make has the same level of risk. Also, an important thing to note is the risk of not investing your money at all. So if you're not getting a return and you're just letting fear take over and keeping all of your money, you know, in cash or in the bank, that sometimes could result, oftentimes will result in not being able to ultimately reach your goals. So it's this necessary thing that we should really be facing. And, you know, that's why planning is so important. A big part of planning is having what's called your emergency fund. So we recommend having around four to six months worth of your expenses just tucked away. I think that can help ease some of the fears, knowing that if worse comes to worse, you do have your emergency money. So you can get, you, you can still you know get back on your feet. But also the key really is to avoid taking on risk that you don't necessarily need to take on. So, you know, the, the idea is not to just take your money and throw it at a random stock. The idea is to set a goal and only take on just enough risk that will allow you to reach that goal. So you're not putting your money at any unnecessary risk in the market. So what's a good way for someone who doesn't know anything about investing to get started then? What do you recommend? Well, I think you would do some lot online research. There's lots of sites out there. If you put in kind of like Ali said, I'm not much for YouTube videos. I guess I'm too old. But if you put in uh, women and investing, there's lots of sites out there that and a lot of them are geared specifically towards women. Some of them are pay sites, but some they have a lot of free articles. I would also suggest trying to meet with a financial planner. Allie and I have our process starts with two pretty long, intense meetings, and it's completely free. And I think most financial planners will at least meet with you free to get started. And some people that we meet with, maybe it's not a a good fit, but we're always going to give them a place to start. So I think that's helpful. Like we talked about before, just starting to put your money in a retirement plan at work, open an IRA if you don't have a plan. Even if you're married and you're staying at home, you can still, as the partner of someone who's working, you can have an IRA even if you don't work and contribute. There's retirement. I think another big piece is retirement calculators or different different ways to monetize your goal, figure out how much do I need to save? Whatever you're saving for, or you're investing for, how much do you need to get there? And then another good way, there's a thing called like target date funds, where if you're just not that familiar with picking all different kinds of things, there's a lot of funds out there that sort of do it all for you. And it's a great place to start. It's diversified. It allows you to set a time horizon, and then the fund itself automatically adjusts the risk as you get closer. So if you're looking for retirement, as you get closer to retirement, it automatically makes it less risky. So those are just a lot of good ways to just kind of get your foot in the door. I love that option. Like, I think a lot of women think, oh, I need to set up like a Robin Hood account or something, and then I need to research stocks and understand the graphs and charts and all the different dimensions that are measured. That's just overwhelming. But I think starting with some kind of a mutual fund that auto adjusts is a really 
beautiful way to take the stress out of it and take the guessing out of it, take the trading out of it, just put it in and let it be. That's so much simpler. Yes, it definitely is. And not to say that as you learn more and if it's something that really interests you and excites you, and as you earn more money, maybe you can do some fun investing and have some money that you don't mind taking a little risk with and do some research, but you know, that that you don't have to start there. Yeah, right. Exactly. So anything you'd like young girls to know about finance, you know, I have a 13 year old daughter, 19 year old daughter. And as we were talking about, I wish they incorporated finance, wealth management, and for that matter, relationship management Mm -hmm. in, you know, grade school, learning how to deal with conflict and manage relationships and and you know all those things that are so crucial. But on the financial side, what would you say would be helpful for young girls if you could give them a little advice? Yeah, I didn't even take my first finance class until college, and even then, it was considered corporate finance. So nothing that would help me in my in my day to day. There was like a small personal finance elective that I was able to take the last year of my college experience. So yeah. So one thing that I would want to tell young girls is that learning about money and learning about your personal finance is a form of self-care and that it's just as important as your physical and your mental health. And I think by doing so, by just starting that conversation, it's going to make it an easier topic to talk about and share resources. So what will happen is a bunch of up and coming women who are already comfortable talking about this and they know about it and they can share resources. I think that would ultimately like really help us down the line. I love that. I also think we as mothers have a responsibility to model behaviors because our girls are watching, show them that we're empowered in our financial life, that we're planning, get them involved in little things like looking at your credit card statement and showing them, you know, how much money is going into their college fund and how we're financing and saving for that. Just I I don't think all of that serves them to hide it all. I think it's, I mean, you don't have to, you know, doesn't need to be total transparency, but integrating it into everyday life and showing them what that looks like. You know, I think there's so much of that, that was the, you know, when I was growing up, I just had no involvement, awareness, conversation, anything about it. And then you're thrown into the world and expected to figure it out. Of course, you trust your husband to deal with that because you don't have, you know, you didn't know any different. So mm-hmm. I love, you know, the the concept of making a shift and, you know, looking at our at our kids and teaching them differently, showing them how to do it too. So not only telling them, but embodying it and doing it ourselves, I think is important. So we covered a lot of really good topics and information related to women and investing. What about books? I love to ask this question. I'm always looking for new books to read. We mentioned one earlier, which was the broke millennial. I'm going to add that to my reading list. Mm -hmm. What else do you guys recommend? for books to read? What are you guys reading? And it doesn't have to necessarily be finance related. I just like to know what people are, are reading. Well, I just finished this book and I love it. And I'm going to give it to both my young adult sons. I think every 
I'd love to recommend all of our clients, especially their kids, maybe teens, young adults read. It's called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And he, this book, it was just, first off, he wrote in such a simple, interesting style. I, I found myself sitting down and I sat there and started reading for like two or three hours on a Saturday. I just meant to read a couple chapters and I couldn't put it down. And it talks a lot, a lot of the things that we've talked about today mm. about how it was when you grew up and also really how it was when you had your first job, what the economy and the world was like and how much of our thoughts about money is all psychology and yeah. how we set ourselves up. It, he talks a lot about the importance of saving. And even if you don't know what you're saving for, that something's going to happen that you're going to need money. I mean, you wouldn't have predicted the pandemic and everybody losing their job or 9-11, but there's always something. So you always want to have that cushion. And then I really, really loved the message of how much is enough that but if you set yourself up and you've saved enough, really, that's what brings you true freedom, that you have the ability to take that job that maybe pays a little less, that's really going to fill you up because you're not stressed. You don't have debt, just the, the choices and how you can live. So it's just to me, oh my gosh, I really loved it. So that would be my, and I, I'm, I want to read it again because it had so many interesting stories of people you hear about, but he just came at it from a different perspective that I really appreciated. Oh, I can't wait to check it out. I'm a big audible person because I think books that are, especially things that are related to heavier topics like money and finance, I do better when I listen in snippets. So I'll listen to, you know, one chapter of that. And then maybe that's enough for the day or the week, you know, because it's sometimes you have to let that concept or story sink in a little bit and think about it and live it a little bit. So I like to do uh, audiobooks audible, but I, I, I do too. And this one actually is really set up well for that because each chapter is a different concept. They're yeah. really short and he just kind of tells it in a storytelling way. The other book that I've been reading and I actually did it as a uh, audible book was called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. I love her. I love her. Amazing. Oh, and then, you know, all her podcasts on that too. So, and there's another book I read that might be helpful. It's called Smart Women Finish Rich by David Bach. He's just kind of a common finance author. And um, that had a lot of just really basic getting started in it. So I like that one too. Oh, good. Love that. Allie, what about you? What are you reading? Well, Denise is the best at giving me book recommendations. So I truly second all of the ones that she mentions. Whenever I am in need of a book or even when I already have, I'm in the middle of a couple of books, she will always recommend really, really good reads. So I, I second everything that she said. And then along with the one that I mentioned earlier, which is The Broke Millennial, I just like to read books that kind of reinforce the, the foundational aspects of finance because it all goes back to that. No matter how complex you get, no matter how deep into the weeds of your financial strategies and all that, that you get, it all goes back to those fundamental ideas. So in terms of reading to educate yourself on finance, it's really important to find one that will just reinforce the the foundational concepts. Yeah, I agree. Okay, good. 
Well, thank you guys for joining us. How can everybody find you? Like, where's the best place if someone wants to meet for a consultation with you or follow you guys online? I know you have a Facebook group, right? Uh, Yes, our Facebook is well on your way. That's what that's called. Also, we are super accessible through email. Like you mentioned earlier, Nina, we're located in Shamer, Arizona. So anybody's in the area and would like to meet with us we are we like to be as accessible as possible so please reach out to us you can get in touch with us through email my email is ali a-l-l-i-e dot stea s-t-e-a at t-w-s dot finance i'll let denise share hers uh, mine is d mcguire so d-m-c-g-u-i-r-e at t-w-s dot finance and i would add it's kind of a new you know, everything's .com, .org, .gov. Uh, ours is .finance. So I think we do sometimes not get emails. People put .finance.com, but there's no .anything at the, at the end. Yeah, I like that. I've never seen that before. It's pretty cool. Well, thank you guys so much for all your wisdom, insight, data, referrals. It was just really enlightening. And actually really fun. Finance doesn't have to be dull and scary and boring. It can be empowering and fun. So thanks again for joining. I appreciate you. Well, thanks for having having us. us. Yeah, we'll do it again. Thanks for joining today's episode of See the Upside podcast. For more details about today's guest and show notes and links, visit our website at seetheupside.com. You can find us on Instagram at c.theupside and Facebook at seetheupside. If you love today's show, please spread the light by giving us a rating or sharing it with a friend. We appreciate you so much and love sharing the positivity with anyone who could be inspired by it. We're all on a beautiful journey and it's so much more fun doing it together and sharing our stories with each other along the way. Can't wait till next time.